From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. My guest today is Erin Bagwell, who is the founder of Feminist Wednesday, a storytelling blog, and she's the director of the acclaimed and inspiring film, Dream Girl. Dream Girl was screened at the White House as part of the United State of Women's Summit. It was named the number one feminist documentary to watch by the Huffington Post, and Erin was named one of Oprah's Super Soul 100, which is a list featuring extraordinary individuals that live life intentionally, create great social impact, and bring inspiration to others. In this episode, we talk about Erin's struggle and her eventual, her eventual triumph as the director of Dream Girl and the lessons her story has for how anyone can muster the power to take a leap into the unknown and follow our, well, our dreams. Throughout this episode, Erin emphasizes the crucial importance of social support, which she calls her tribe, how you build a tribe of people who have your back and keep you going. All right, now get set to have your dreams ignited by Erin Bagwell. Erin Bagwell, welcome to Work and Hi. Life. Hey. Dude, thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's, it's great a to, pleasure to it, be chatting with you. It is my pleasure indeed. So let, let's dive in. I know that listeners are interested to know first, Feminist Wednesday, what was that? How'd you get that started? And then let's talk about the film. Yeah, for sure. Well, Feminist Wednesday was a tiny act of rebellion um, because I was working at a corporate job from a nine to five that was kind of soul sucking. And I was supposed to be in a creative role, but I wasn't. And I was also being sexually harassed at my job. And um, I became really obsessed with feminism. Um, It really taught me the language and the understanding and the statistics of all of the gender roles and the discrimination that women and women of color face. And it gave me the power to view myself differently. And Mm -hmm. I felt really, you know, inclined to share these stories with um just, just to share more stories with women and to have us feel more connected. I think when you think when you go through something like that, you kind of feel like you're the only one in the world that it's happening to. And um, understanding feminism allowed me to tap into this huge network and this huge source mm-hmm. of women who were there to support me. So What's the I started the blog. What, let me just jump in here and ask, what, sure. how do you define feminism? I consider myself a feminist. In fact, that's the piece that you included with me on your website. Yeah. <laughs> My declaration of myself as a feminist and how I thought it was foolish to not think otherwise. How do you define that term? Yeah, I mean, I think feminism for me is about uncovering my most authentic self. And I think that oftentimes we're, you know, we live in a patriarchal society where we get so many gender norms and there's so many expectations that are coming at us. And I think it allows me to kind of put on glasses that can see through those roles and go, okay, well, this is what's expected of me, but this is what I want to do. So it just allows me to be the fullest version of myself in all of my decisions, whether that's through my career or my family or whatnot. So that's kind of my definition of feminism. 
to be free. Yeah, exactly. So, so Dream Girls, uh, which which is a a film that that tells the story of uh, female entrepreneurs, and uh, was I'm sure a much bigger and much more complicated undertaking than the Feminist Wednesday blog, right? Uh, as I understand it, you you quit your job, and then I'm sh- I'm sure that took a lot of courage, uh, and then used Kickstarter to get this thing off the ground and through that campaign you met your 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 co-producer how did you find the courage Erin to pursue this dream dream girls yeah so i mean quitting my job came first and basically i i kind of made a decision that i wasn't going to continue to work at the 9 to 5 because i started noticing that it was changing i was modifying my behavior in order to exist in that culture i was dressing differently i was speaking differently and i was feeling so unseen and my partner sal and i um, actually had a very dramatic conversation where i was walking home from the barclay center in brooklyn and i was crying and i was like you know i don't think we can afford you know for me to quit and I don't think this is the right move for us. We were thinking about getting married. And he was like, you know what? Take the leap. Do it. I will support you. We'll figure it out. You can work freelance. And honestly, I think if I hadn't have had somebody supporting me to make that decision, I'm not sure that I would have done it. Hmm. So I think it was a combination of knowing it was the right time to leave and having the support to be able to say, okay, I'm going to take the next step and I'm going to go into the unknown, but I'm not going to walk alone. So that made a huge difference for me. You're not going to walk alone. Yeah. I mean, I'll bet that that is a theme that you picked up on in a big way in the film that uh, really no one walks alone to be successful in life, right? Or or did you find otherwise? No, no, absolutely. I mean, I think being an entrepreneur is such an isolating experience, you know? You're the only one in your day-to-day that knows what's going on or the decisions you have to make, and the pressure is really all on your shoulders. But I have found that all of the women that we feature in the film – they have tribes and they have communities and they, and they desperately need that support to thrive, not only emotionally, but, you know, to build bigger and bigger businesses. You know, I'm part of a breakfast club that meets every Thursday. And, you know, when I see Julie raising a million dollars, it gives me the courage to think maybe I should dream a little bit bigger. Hmm. Um, so I think having that experience and being able to surround yourself with people who get it and people who are leveling up in their careers is also can be a really great thing too. So yeah, definitely not walking alone is, uh, is, has been a huge theme in the film, for sure, and in my life. So you said uh, your tribe. Can you define what you mean by that term? Because some of our listeners might be wondering, what, what is a tribe to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you could probably find a great answer on Google. I, a tribe for me is, is the people who get it and who see me totally and fully and completely in my creativity and in my life. And to be honest, I find that the entrepreneurs in my life um, are the closest people in my tribe. Um, They're the people who understand the highs and lows. I found that when I was starting out on my entrepreneurial, my directorial journey, that a lot of people didn't get it and they didn't understand why I was working, you know, nights and weekends and why I was, you know, putting my whole savings into this trailer to start a Kickstarter. And, And my entrepreneur friends, totally get it. I don't have to explain to them why I can't make an event or why I'm working nights. They just, they totally understand and kind of see my soul completely. So I think that's what the tribe is for me is people who just totally get it. So tell us briefly, what is the film about? Yeah. So dream girl is showcases the stories of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs. We have 10 women featured in the, in the film whose ages range from 24 to 83 
And basically, we're showcasing the emotional and spiritual journey of starting a business. You know, whether you're on your first company or your third, it's a lot different for women to start companies. We get less access to capital. Um, we have to worry about family life and maternity leave and and finding a partner that supports your career and, and all of those things. So we kind of deep dive into all of the different themes and topics through these women's particular stories. You said the spiritual journey, didn't you? I did, yeah. Could you say more about what you mean by that? I, I mean, I think because women are so unseen in the leadership space and because we have such a deficit of role models, I think it's a real spiritual journey to take a risk on yourself. Um, we're not often given the tools or the, um, the free passes or the privilege to kind of walk into different rooms. And I think you have to really take a risk on yourself when you're a female entrepreneur. And it becomes kind of this navigation where, you know, you're making decisions based on your gut. And, and all entrepreneurs would say this, I think, that it's such a unique and individual journey. And, and I think there's some spirit there. I think you have to kind of know who you are and know where you want to go and, but I think it's there are other kind of factors working with you. So knowing your your purpose, you might say. Yeah. Uh, and it, what is it that led you to find this as your purpose, to tell the stories of other entrepreneurs as a way to pursue your own dream? How did you find that? Well, I've been making movies since I was a little girl. So I've loved I've been editing since I was 16 years old. So, you know, over 10 years now, I've been making stories and film. I, I think it's the most impactful media. I love it. And honestly, I, you know, going back to Feminist Wednesday and feeling so unseen and feeling like here I quit my job and I don't know what to do. The women that I looked up to in my life were female entrepreneurs. So we were featuring a lot of them on the blog and I became obsessed with them. You know, I think it's so romantic to quit your job and, you know, they were building your businesses. And here I was just fresh out of leaving my job, like, what the heck am I going to do? So there were gorgeous role models for me to kind of shape my own life after. And it was such a learning experience to be able to follow them around and learn how to build their businesses and things like that. So kind of, it kind of came full circle from Feminist Wednesday and then just really my desire and my love for storytelling. But you had to listen to that, that tiny voice inside, as I think you've referred to it, right? You had to listen and take it seriously and perhaps see it. You, you've referred a couple of times to being unseen or, and that women are unseen. But, but it seems like, as I hear you tell your story, it's, it's as though you had to see yourself first mm. before you could be seen by others. Is, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's kind of a reflection. I mean, my dream with dream girl, is that women understand that they don't need permission to follow their dreams. And I think when you can see the stories of Clara and Annie and Mariama, you can see yourself in them. So for sure, it's, it was definitely a risk. And I, I had to kind of see myself in that space. But honestly, surrounding myself with women who are doing it kind of gave me the courage mm -hmm. to, you know, to see myself in their journey. So it kind of was, it was almost like a mentoring process while I was making the film. Which you created for yourself in the process of making the film, right? You, yes, you built a tribe Absolutely. by bringing these people around you, which you ha kind of have to do. It's not something that someone gives to you. You have to create it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You have to kind of put yourself out there and, um, and find those people and, you know, take risks and, you know, be in rooms where you don't know anybody and just kind of feel it out. Hi, this is Stu Friedman. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. And 
I'm just so glad you're listening. If you like the Work and Life podcast, I would personally appreciate your taking just a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast, whatever your favorite platform is. We are relatively new as a podcast, uh, and our team is working really hard to bring you for free the best of the conversations that took place on my Sirius XM radio show, but were previously available only to paid subscribers. So every positive rating and review helps us to grow our capacity to move faster toward the goal of sharing useful information and insights about how to create harmony among the different parts of life with people who wouldn't otherwise have access. So please do help us. And if you have ideas for what we can do to improve our impact, please write to me at friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks. And now back to the show. Back to Aaron's story and the the uh, the growth and impact of Dream Girl. So you showed it at the White House. This is I I know, I know to be the prior administration. <laughs> uh, yeah. What was that like? How, how did that happen? Um, well, we so we raised one hundred thousand dollars on Kickstarter in thirty days by two thousand backers, and we have the most incredible tribe of backers. Honestly, people who have come from all over the world and donated to our campaign and followed my journey of making the film. And we had one woman who was a Kickstarter backer and she emailed us out of the blue and she says, you know, I have friends at the National Women in Business Council. You know, do you think you would want to do a screening at the White House? And we were like, oh, yeah, let me think about course. that. Yeah, so that would sound great. Of course we would. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually we went back and forth with them for a couple of months and I sent them rough cuts and I kind of tried to make them a part of the process. And um, when we were close to being wrapped, it was about a month before we were actually going to premiere, they emailed us and said, okay, if this date works for you, it works for us. And the film actually wasn't ready yet. And I said, let's do it. Like, let's go 24 hours and figure it out and let's make it work. So we actually um, premiered it about a month early so that we could have the White House screening, which was incredible. Our friends and family, all the entrepreneurs in the film came out to the event. And it was such an incredible night to be able to share that with them. You know, Mm -hmm. I love their stories deeply and I they invested so much trust into me sharing their families and their homes and their businesses. So for me to be able to give that back to them and bring them to the White House was, was really a privilege. I can't imagine how thrilling that must have been. Uh, and now, you know, not only the White House, but Oprah, Ariana Huffington, uh, you know, has acknowledged and, and uh, really supporting your efforts. What has been the impact so far of this film? Yeah, I mean, we've, shown it in over 81 different countries um and it's been seen by probably now 40,000 people around the world and to be honest i think my favorite impact is like the high school students that get to see it and get to see themselves in all these characters um i i made this film as like a love letter to my high school self because i remember how nervous i was being a young creative who loved to make film and i didn't think that there were entrepreneurial jobs that I had access to, mm-hmm. you know, I think when I was growing up, we didn't have the Lena Dunham's and the Shonda Rhimes. And so it was really important mm-hmm. for me to make a film that young women could identify with. And so it's always my favorite thing when I can get young women fired up and thinking about starting their own businesses. So 
tell me about uh, the last time you were in a high school and, and uh, how, did, how did the kids react? What did they say to you and what did you say to them? I mean, it, it varies, you know, but I think we're, we're in such a weird political climate where young women have access to, you know, the same news and the same Internet. Um, and they have a lot of questions about feminism and rape culture and the administration. And they're nervous and they're uncomfortable. And I think that they just want to be seen. They want to have the space to talk about it. You know, talking about gender and feminism isn't, an op- isn't something they get the opportunity to do a lot. So I think Hmm. it's really just my job to to give them the space to be able to talk about it and to be able to kind of share my story and my experience and and kind of let them know that it's going to be okay and that they're going to kind of find their way and, you know, however that manifests for them. Well, that's got to feel good to be able to give back in that way. Yeah, it's great. It's it's such a fun part to connect with people. I think as an artist, that's, that's the goal is when you can emotionally reach someone. And and how do you think it changes how they think about themselves and their possibilities? I hope they, um, I just hope it opens them up, you know, to be able to see, you know, not only themselves as business owners, but to know that their stories matter. You know, I, I talk to women all the time who, you know, don't want to share their stories or want to share their sisters or their mom's stories. And it's like, I think as women, we need to step into the power of what storytelling can do. Um, and so not only do I want to inspire women, you know, to start their business or follow their passion or work on their side hustle, but I also want to inspire the next filmmakers and the movie makers because we need so much more content and it's so powerful when it comes from our voices. So when you say the power of uh, telling your story, say more about that. What, what, what power did you derive and how do you see yourself differently today than before you had the courage and the will and the support to, to produce uh, this film, which tells other people's stories and of course in doing so tells yours what has that meant what has that meant to you in terms of your own sense of power and place and visibility in the world that's a heavy question too <laughs> um i think it's you my know, job Aaron. yeah yeah <laughs> asking asking the tough questions you know in some ways i feel like the same person and in some ways i feel like totally transformed you know i think mm-hmm. When you're starting out, we, we belong to these, you know, when you're in school and when you're in jobs, when people say no to you in those structures, you mm-hmm. have to listen to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're building a business or when you're making a film or doing something on your own, like no is not an answer. Mariama in the film says, you know, it's like a door. You come, you knock, and if it doesn't open, you break it. And I think when you're in charge of your own destiny and you want to follow something, you can't take no for an answer. So you have to find that window or that back door or just break it down, or however you've got to do it. So I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned, is that I'm in control of if, of the ship. So if we're not going somewhere fast enough, or we need to go somewhere, um, I just have to find another way. So mm-hmm. um, having that confidence to be able to do that is something that I, I think that I've definitely built up over time, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. probably kind of the biggest lesson that I've learned throughout the journey. That's powerful. Uh, in the way that you describe it, and I, I completely get that, and I think it is so important. And what I hear from young people, particularly young women in my work, that is the number one issue, is this, is uh, feeling confident enough to pursue the things that you are really passionate and skilled in, in, in bringing to the world, having mm-hmm. that confidence. So you, so you were able to, to develop that. You, you had the support of, of other people, 
Um, yeah, and I think sometimes you just have to, like, I was sitting on a panel with a woman yesterday, and she says sometimes you have to close your eyes and hit send on the email you're too afraid to send. <laughs> you know, I think it's okay to hold that fear, and I think it's okay to be uncomfortable or nervous or not sure. The point is, mm-hmm. is that you can feel all those things, but you have to kind of keep it moving forward anyway. You have to keep it moving. Now, I understand you're, <laughs> you're asking people to submit videos for the one-year anniversary uh, of the film. Uh, yeah. Do I have that right? Tell us about that. Yeah, you, absolutely. So there may Dream be some Girls people listening right now who want to do that. Yeah, so Dreamgirls' one-year anniversary is, um, is coming up in June, and so we're going to do a compilation video of all our fans around the world kind of sharing what Dreamgirl has meant to them. So um, people can find all that info on our website or our Facebook page. If they want to submit a video, we'd love to, we'd love to have it. All right. Or if people want to see the film and they're interested yeah. um, to hear about my story and the stories of all the women we're uh, we have a public screening license, so I've built Dream Girl from a production company to a distribution company. I have two full-time employees, and now we work every day selling the film and sharing the stories of women, and we're working on another web series and things like that. But you can visit our website at dreamgirlfilm.com to learn how to bring Dream Girl to your community. That's fantastic. And why would somebody want to do that? Um, I would say the number one reason is if you want to build your business. Um, 90% of our hosts are entrepreneurs who want to magnetize their tribe and their audience, and it's an amazing way to make meaningful connections. You're kind of sharing this gorgeous experience of all these women on screen, and then you get to stand next to the film and be like, I brought this to you guys as the community, and I'm going to lead a Q&A about it, and I'm going to be an industry leader. So those are kind of our favorite hosts. They're the influencers and the mentors and the dreamers who really want to get the film out to their audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last minute or so that we've got here, I wonder if you could address uh, what should men know from Dream Girl? Um, I mean, one of the things I like to tell uh, men who are allies is that, you know, something my brother says is your dollar is your vote. Um, women's companies are underfunded. Um, they're underseen. They don't have as much PR. They don't have a much, as much visibility. And if you have access or resources or money to spend, make sure you're spending it um, for women business owners. It's super easy now to find you know, products that are made by women just about everywhere for everything you need. And we need money. We need we need investment and we need mentorship and we need visibility. And so if you have access to any of these resources, please use them. That's a good idea. Do you have particular advice for like where to go to find out more about uh, supporting women's businesses? Yeah, actually, I'm kind of working on a side project that would is like a, a tunnel to, you know, have this space. Um, or a portal, rather, where people can find it. So not yet, but hopefully uh, soon we will. That's fantastic. Aaron. we're going to need to wrap up here. Thank you so much for, for doing this work, for including me in a small way in it, uh, and, and for being my guest on the show tonight. Tell us one more time, how can listeners find out more about what you've done with Dream Girl and the work, uh, the other great projects that you're working on, and maybe set up a screening of Dream Girl, which would be a great idea. Uh, where, where should people go? What should people do? Yeah, people can just go to dreamgirlfilm.com. You can book a screening right online, and um, we mail out a DVD the next day, so it's super easy. Um, And I would love for you guys to check out Stu's episode of Your Moment of Ambition, which you can find on our website as well. Very good. All right. Erin Backwell, thank you so much for being a part of Work and Life and the great work you do. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Erin Backwell feminist blogger and producer of the wonderful film Dream Girl. Now let's talk about you. Do you have a dream? 
something you'd like to do but you're not pursuing, why not take a small step toward realizing that dream? You know, you don't have to turn your whole world around to try something that's a move toward bringing your dream to life. So what's holding you back from taking one small step that's doable, that's within your current scope that you have freedom to actually take? So if you do decide to try to take a step toward realizing a dream that you've got, let me know what happens. Write to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at Stu Friedman or email me at friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I think you might be surprised by what happens by taking one intentional act that is consciously motivated by your interest in bringing a dream alive. You might feel differently about the possibility of taking a second step. You might gain a bit of confidence and start to feel some momentum. You might even have some feedback from other people that is encouraging. For more information about Erin Bagwell, her dream, you can read her blog, feministwednesday.com. Follow her on Twitter, at Erin E. Bagwell. And to screen her great film for your tribe, your people, check out dreamgirlfilm.com and see for yourself the powerful stories of female entrepreneurs from ages 24 to 83 and what they can teach you or people that you think could benefit from the inspiring tales of people who have brought their dreams to life. Now let me ask on another topic if you can just take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, Work on Life podcast, on iTunes. I would much appreciate that. And finally, I want to hearken back to episode five when I spoke with the remarkable Sam Polk, who is the co-founder and CEO of Every Table, an organization making healthy foods affordable for all. Sam was just featured in the Wall Street Journal and his organization just opened their fourth location. So if you're in the Santa Monica, California area, check them out at Third Street Promenade between Arizona and Santa Monica. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.